Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. My name is Corey O'Flanagan, and I am your host. This show is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, and we would really appreciate it if you'd go out and leave us a nice review, subscribe on your favorite listening platform, and just show us all that love. It really goes a long way. Today on the show, I am joined by the Heavy Hours, who are on a roll. Recently, they've written with Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys, recorded an EP in upstate New York with Simon Felice, who also produced the Lumineers and the Avett Brothers albums, and opened for St. Paul and the Broken Bones, a band that I love. Today I catch up with John, Michael, and AJ to talk about all of that, their latest set of releases on the EP Wildfire, and what it was like doing an RV tour during a pandemic. This Cincinnati band is finding their groove as songwriters and enjoying every minute of it along the way, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy the heavy hours. You know how, don't stop caring about me now, I the world Try to, I mean with the world goodbye, thought it took some time to survive you, I'm better on the um, All right, well, I want to start off like any great interview does, and let's talk about me for a second. You guys have a great track uh, that is called Don't Walk Away. that you guys wrote in part with uh, Dan Arbach of the Black Keys. And here's where it kind of becomes about me. I have an ex-girlfriend who absolutely has said from day one, and then we went and saw the Black Keys together, and she just thinks that I'm the spitting image of that man. And <laughs> nobody else has ever said it. So I'm going to give you guys a couple profile shots, whatever you need. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I can see why she said it. Yeah, but you need to do more 
hard drugs and age yourself about 20 years. I think it's your <laughs> benefit that you don't look like. Although I love Thank Dan. you. I think I, I love Dan. He's one of the coolest looking dudes ever. But but he's he also is a very different looking human being. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's what I thought too. And that's why I was like, I'm kind of losing attraction to you because I can't believe that you would like somebody if you think I look like that. <laughs> if you spent time in like a coal mine, maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I got a little, get a little bit of the black lung. Okay. Well, I'm glad we've settled that. Um, did you guys learn anything while you were kind of stuck in the studio writing with him? Oh, man. Yeah. I think, yeah, we learned a crazy amount of things with Dan because it was like that was the first time we had ever done a writing session with someone and so we never even really knew how like the whole like writing session thing worked we just kind of like showed up to his uh to his studio and then like next thing you know it's like yeah I got a good buddy coming in and his buddy that came in was like 95 years old and played on Elvis <laughs> records like actual Elvis records and we're like what in the world um but yeah we learned a lot of just about just like how you know the industry works and and just like how the songwriting thing works but also just we were you know face to face with two of the most pro prolific songwriters that have ever lived and so just like watching them work and watching how their brains operated and how they like viewed a song was was I think eye-opening for us and a lot of like little things that I noticed that Dan did and that was just like, I think we still do to this day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I read that you guys were kind of plucking different ideas that you might have had in your phones and different melodies and, and stuff like that, that, that kind of came together. And it, was that a new way to write a song for you? Or was that something that um, you guys had done before? Usually when we would write music, it would be very, very long. And we would, it would start out, it always starts out, no matter what, with like a weird phone idea. Yeah. Uh, and then we would like probably bake that in our basement songwriting oven for like a month. But Dan was like, Hey, let's write a song in an hour before lunch. Yeah. Just as a challenge. Like everything. It was like song, melody, lyrics, like start to finish, like all the, the aspects of a song you would need to like go into a studio and like record it. We're done in an hour. I don't think it was like, I don't even know if it was like, let's do it because we, we can try to do it. It was like, the songs were great. It was just like a completely different approach of like, like, let's just, you know, put all of our melodic ideas together and just like power through this thing. Whatever doesn't work, we throw away immediately. Like yeah. there's no egos in the room. No it was attachment like, to anything. Yeah, no, like if there was no, you, you never felt offended if you suggested something and Dan was like, no, that's not gonna work like you just kind of like move through the song and whatever worked and stuck stayed and whatever didn't just you leave you know on the road i'm sure yeah. that dan thought critically about his songwriting technique but it was almost as if like yeah let's write a song in two hours because you know later tonight i got places to be and i got records to record <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be my first thought like what you got somewhere better to be <laughs> aren't you paying paid to be here um this is uh th that's really interesting so that's to have something like that come up I don't know as a as a creative I think like one the atmosphere that you were talking about would lend itself really nicely that there's no judgment you don't feel like there's any bad ideas there's just ones that 
don't fit in that time span or don't fit in that moment. And then the other thing too, is um, just kind of challenging yourself, creating like a little bit of a barrier. Like if you guys are normally people who just sit there and grind stuff out over a, a day or a weekend or a week or whatever it might be um, to just, just put yourself in a different mind frame of like, we have to have this done by noon today. I don't know. I think that that would be something that would kind of get the creative juices flowing, some adrenaline going and just being like, yeah, let's do this. I want to, it, I, I do agree with that. I went to art school before I joined the band mm-hmm. and something that I learned in there was you, you do usually yield a pretty uh, great result. If you put some sort of limitation on yourself, if you, if you go, if you have to fight against something, that's usually when your brain works a little better. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, so you guys took that song and then a handful of others to upstate New York to record your EP Wildfire, which I've been listening to for the last couple of days. And really good job, guys. These are some awesome songs. Thank you. And I've heard that there's more and you guys are just being patient with rolling them out. Is that true? Oh, yeah, definitely some more. We're going to do the whole album, you know, sometime, release that sometime this winter, maybe sometime next year, early next year. Yeah. But yeah. Was more. that your guys' first uh, experience, like in a, in a recording studio like that at that level? Um, yeah, pretty much. We had made a couple of, I guess you could call them albums um, that we went when we were younger in mm. our earlier 20s, but that was mostly um us like scrounging up all of the money we could gather as young 20 year olds (laughs) and just like paying our way down to like a random studio like in nashville or something like that or just anywhere we could get into and being like hey record our songs for us please and but it was a that was the first time you know that we had ever been with a producer at that level or a producer at all. And, you know, an audio engineer at that level. And um, yeah, it was a pretty crazy experience. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, that's one thing I wanted to talk about was that experience because it is so unique, especially for a new band to go in. And I'm guessing that there was some preconceived ideas and thoughts that you guys were having. And I'm wondering how those might've deferred from the actual experience. I mean, it was definitely like, like Mike said, we, we were used to like taking our songs, whatever we had created and being like, here they are. And like paying however much money we had in our bank account to like record them. And so like, there was really no obligation for the, whoever was recording those songs to like cast a vision for the album or to like, you know, take a fine comb through the songs. Yeah. Uh, but with Simon and David, that was like a super refreshing thing up in Woodstock was just like the fact that like we were going to record the best possible version of all the songs that we were going to record. And we didn't, you know, we we took as much time as we needed to get them ready and to get them to the point where we were they were they were much bigger and more. I don't know. Refined. Refined than we could, yeah. would have ever tried to attempt. Yeah, that's a good before. point that John's making is that like when the, when we first did our, I guess, yeah, demos or albums or whatever, like it was just a guy that's getting paid an hourly wage to record whatever yeah. the hell we told him to record. And so like there's some songs that I go back and listen to that we recorded like, I don't know, six years ago or whatever. And they have four minute long intros of just like nothing but <laughs> talk, like nothing but musical break and 
like, and then the singing happens and then another four minute thing of just music. And it, it was cool and refreshing. And also just like an insane learning experience just to like hear Simon and David be like, oh, why do you guys have this two minute solo with no singing and during this song on every song or something like that? <laughs> like, let's cut this and it'll sound better if we do this and add this. And they're just like, they're both so smart. And so it was just fun to hear their ideas and be like, oh, that is a really good idea. We were dumb for thinking that <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> I think it's really interesting to like go in and as, as people who are, it seems like you guys have been writing songs for a long time and obviously it's like anything else. The more you do it, the more you practice, the better that you get over time. And you start to kind of find your voice and the sound that you want to have, but then actually like structuring songs together and being with people who are professionals at taking an idea that a creative musician might have and then turning it into this, this song that's like, wow, how did you get from there to there? I, I would think that that would be something that if I'm you all, I'm like just... I would just be watching with my mouth open, just like, I just can't believe that you guys, where does this idea come from? Like, we're going to bring in a celloist all of a sudden? Like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think to that point too, it was fun. Cause like we, us three have been writing songs with, since the beginning with, with like, I've had the same guitar, John's had a bass and AJ's had a guitar and that's it. That's like what we've been limited to. And we're like writing songs with those three instruments every once in a while. Also behind a piano and be like, Oh, this sounds good. Yeah. But like, to get into that studio and to have access to different kinds of equipment, stuff that like, I didn't even know were instruments. I leave, like, I look at something and I'm like, what is that thing? And David's like, oh, that's a synth from 1962. And it's like, and Paul explained like, that's how you get this sound. And it's like, oh, I love that sound. I would have never in a million years known how to produce or recreate that sound for one of our albums and stuff like that. So having access to, different kinds of equipment and instruments was really, really cool too. Like we could have spent, I could have spent a month just like fidgeting with every song, like add this, add this, add this. Yeah. And it, the songs would have sounded terrible, but <laughs> it, it was, it, I can definitely see the habit of just like one, like he has so much stuff in that recording studio, just wanting to add everything. The yeah. flip side to the, to this coin is there was also an element of, you know, we would have all these crazy ideas and all these, we would make all these, uh, decisions and you know we were just doing what we wanted to do but that was that was kind of the scary part is that at this point there was no record label we didn't have any sort of deal we just had a bunch of our own money invested into this record and we're just hoping that whatever we created was going to get uh, picked up or you know signed or something uh, so it was like yeah we're doing you know we're just down here having fun. And then, and then, you know, at night I would think to myself, like, I hope somebody likes, you know, our, <laughs> our fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a really good point because that's, I mean, that's the most important thing. And hopefully as you guys continue to grow and, and that happens that, that I would, I would tell you to just keep that in mind, because I think what a lot of people do is no matter what happened, no matter what career path you're going down, you can lose sight of the fact that it's fun, especially if you're chasing a passion and it becomes more of a job. And then you're like, ah, I don't want this to feel like a job. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you guys have any like thoughts about uh, the old band albums and Dylan being up there recording the late 60s while you were up there? That's where my head would be the whole time. Oh, yeah. yeah, we recorded our 
record a uh, hundred yards away, legitimately a hundred yards away from uh, Jimi Hendrix's old house. Oh, really? Uh, that he lived in in Woodstock. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say uh, Big Pink. I thought you were going to be like, I was right next to Big Pink. We were like 20 minutes away. Yeah, we yeah. drove by that a fair number of times. Yeah, we would. Uh, so a lot of, it was a, a pretty like uh, laid back recording feel. It wasn't like show up at 6 a.m. and we get started right away. We kind of like rolled in at like 10 or 11 every day and would work until we honestly just kind of got tired, which was which was fun. But every morning we would kind of like, it would kind of be like a field trip because we're just like, so obsessed with the town and like the, yeah. the vibe of Woodstock that we would like get up early in the morning and like walk around and then we honestly like find something to drive to every morning we'd like let's go see Big Pink let's go see Van Morrison Summer Home let's go down <laughs> to the river like <laughs> Monk House. yeah like it's it's a crazy beautiful town but like in a in a not to sound like cheesy or anything but like it does feel like there is something special about it like it felt like we were in our own little world up there. Like it's a pretty small little town and you're kind of like far removed from anything, any feelings of being home. We're like, you're definitely up in the mountains and it's pretty much the most ideal place to record an album. I think yeah. it's pretty awesome. Was it in winter too? Were you guys just covered up in snow up there? We, yeah, we kind of spanned a couple seasons. We, when we first met Simon, um, we went up there on like the most beautiful fall day I've ever seen. And like the mountains were bright orange and we're like, this place is magical. And then the next, when we recorded the first half of the album, it was the dead of winter. And there was, I don't know, two feet of snow on the ground. Yeah. Two feet. Of snow. Like our, our, our cars could barely go anywhere. And like Simon had to come always like pick us up and drive us up the hill to the recording studio. Cause our cars couldn't make it up. We built like a 24, foot tall igloo one night we're <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we finished up recording our album in the spring so we kind of got the full taste of of Woodstock oh cool okay yeah that's a part of the the country that I haven't been to is like kind of that upstate Vermont and stuff but I've always just said if I'm going to go I'm going to go during fall and just yeah, catch those leaves you should go during fall it's, yeah. it's pretty pretty crazy yeah okay so tell me a little bit about the song desperate days because um i was listening to that and watching the video a little bit this morning and i've got an idea of what i think where i think it kind of came from but i'm curious to hear where where it came from for you all the actual writers i said oh you can't let it die We wrote it right here on this desk that you're sitting on, the virtual faces. <laughs> yeah. Like pretty much at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. It was our quarantine song. Okay. That's what I, that's kind of the vibe that I got from it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And our producer, you know, we were a little bit like, oh, you know, we wanted to write a song about that shared human experience that we were having with the globe, but we didn't want to be, you know, so on the nose and, uh, our producer sort of helped it come to life and become its own thing. Yeah, it kind of came together pretty like naturally. 
um, we didn't like force that one at all because we were all like, we spent, you know, two years where I saw these guys literally every single day for like two years. Like I, we would hang out every day and play music or whatever. And we still do. Yeah. But then like the pandemic happened and then like, next thing you know, like I'm only talking to them over FaceTime and zoom yeah. and stuff. And it was weird. And I think we were all just like, we were all bored and not doing anything. So we all just like started writing songs and that one, we just kind of started writing together over FaceTime and Zooms and six it, foot distance. Yeah. Every once in a while we'd, we'd, backyard we'd meet up in the backyard <laughs> and try to write, write through it. And um, it was funny too, because we didn't really need another song. Like we had you know, like 10 songs picked out for the album. And that was like kind of while we were recording the album, but it kind of like leapfrogged a couple other songs that were going to be recorded. So we cut one to add that one and, Simon really helped on that one too. He, we would FaceTime him and he would, he had some good ideas for that song. So <laughs> we, it was we a, gave him the song idea. And then he was like, all right, uh, I'll see you guys in 10 minutes. And then he would call us again and be like, all right, I just took a walk in the woods yeah. and I followed the course. Yeah. So I think we were all going kind of crazy and, and it is, that one just kind of came, came naturally to us. And I'm glad it did because it was really fun. And, and David, the uh, audio engineer and also producer on the album, one of the producers, he was really, really excited about it because his dad was um, was an audio engineer and a producer, and um, he worked with um, who was the main thing he worked with? Almond Brothers. Yeah, he worked with the Almond Brothers. Okay, wow. And, yeah, and and David, he grew up in Ohio, and he's like, honestly, since the day I was like turned eight years old, I've just wanted to like be in a southern rock band he's like i just wanted to like shred the keys on a southern rock band like and he's he's a great piano player and so he was really excited about it because it kind of like out of all of our songs that one kind of has the most like raw rock and roll feel to it which which was fun stay tuned for more song facts podcast right after this ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy no well let me tell you anyway The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class. USB connection. This is good for me because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport and use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician recording vocals or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel, Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings. It just works right out of the box. And Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So... If you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high quality sound, check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. 
Yeah, definitely. What What about filming that video in and around your your guys' hometown of Cincinnati? That 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 really kind of lended itself to to me being able to get a little bit more of a feel of where you guys were coming from with the lyrics and the and the mood of the song. But um, it just kind of looked like you guys showed Cincinnati through a particular lens, and I'm wondering if that was intentional because it was like pandemic related, like things are kind of shutting down. Um, I'm in an old warehouse like abandoned warehouse type of feel, that kind of stuff. So I'm just kind of wondering if that was intentional. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it was just, I think, I think the the visuals of that video are, are less of a statement as much, or like a statement about the state of things as much as it were just like a representation of how things were at that time. And it was just like, yeah, it was like, it was not a fun time. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, yeah. Not, yeah, not at all. We were doing, we were making a music video, which was fun. We were releasing music, writing music, but at this, but during the filming of that video, it was still very much in the back of our head of like, what are the, when the hell are we ever going to be able to play a live show again? Yeah. You know, we had just no clue, and our agent was just like, hey, I have no idea. Yeah, and we didn't really know any better too, which was frustrating, but also probably a blessing at the same time, because like we you know we released our first song with don't walk away and then like that might have been like right around when the pandemic hit or whatever and so we were like trying to break a band as the the world was shut down yeah and so, like we didn't know any different because we've never like you know done it before but we would get like little glimpses like our label would be like oh man this stinks this year you guys got to play on zoom because uh if not, we'd fly up to New York and you'd play a show and then we'd take out the dinner and then we'd do this thing and it'd be like, damn it, that sounds so much better than, <laughs> than being in my basement, like playing over Zoom. That's just a lot more fun. But yeah, so we did, it was, it was a weird time. Yeah. Well, that kind of helps me segue into the question about the RV tour. Um, <laughs> where did this idea come from and, and how did that, how did that go? That's so awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was our manager's idea. He, you know, it was last summer and he was like, Hey, I'm going to send you guys on the road. You're going to play a bunch of parking lots. <laughs> and, uh, it was, did you have to book anything? Or were you guys just kind of like drop busking? A little bit of, a little bit of both. He was, yeah. he, you know, he was like, <laughs> was like, Hey, radio station X, like these guys uh, are going to roll in at noon tomorrow, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, for radio stations and like venue promoters. Yeah. So it was just and they like, all loved it. The radio yeah. stations and the venue promoters, you know, we would play these shows for like them and their friends, uh, like you their know, dogs, 10 person shows. But, you know, it was kind of what a band normally had to do, but just in a different way. You know, usually you go on tour as an opening band and you're playing for tables and chairs or five people. Yep. But this, this, we just kind of forced the experience and we were like, all right, where can we get five people? and you know show up in their backyard it was fun yeah. i really like that i don't think i've heard anybody else doing something like that and i love that good original idea especially given the times that that everyone was in it was just kind of like like you said instead of getting locked in the basement playing zoom shows for people like let's go out and do something that's safe and fine yeah it was awesome i think i think one of the unforeseen benefits of that is we were playing, we were showing up to probably two to three different houses a day, setting up our stuff, playing like seven songs, eight songs. So like in a given day, we were playing like legitimately like, like we were playing these songs like 30 times. Yeah. And 
like over the span of, I think we did about four or five weeks total of the tour. And so we got just a ton of time to like work through these songs live. I mean, it wasn't on a, you know, a big stage or anything, but like, yeah, yeah. these were the first, this is the first time we were like playing these songs out live. So it was like really great for us to just get a ton of experience under our belt with not a whole lot of pressure to just kind of work these songs and out live. To what you're saying, what's kind of cool is that the RV tour sort of ended and culminated in this, like in our first real big show where we played with Fitz and the Tantrums on a giant stage at like a drive-in concert. Yeah. Um, and so that was, uh, that was pretty cool to sort of like, I feel like that was a turning point. It was like, here's your last true pandemic show, you know, now you got to get ready to do this with real crowds. I can tell you right away, just from the two little drops that you guys have had with uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones and then Fitz, that those are two bands that I love. I've seen them both live. And um, I feel like if you guys are opening for them, you're going to find more people like me who are drawn to your sound. So I think you're doing the right thing. And whoever's helping you guys book that and get on those shows is doing a good job. Because I think that your music lends itself to the same type of people that would listen to those guys. So that's awesome. Well, sick. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's like all of a sudden, if you're out there like, and you're like, wow, is this band we're opening for like a death metal band? Like, what is this? <laughs> is this going to end up? <laughs> yeah. it's, funny. it's funny how who you open for can sort of shape your fans. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's just how it kind of happens. Um, I get the sense as like songwriters that you guys believe in a strong chorus. How does the shaping of the song kind of, how has that evolved over the years for you all? Oh man. Yeah, that, that, that is a good question. Um, it's kind of funny because we all have different, you know, backgrounds that we all bring to the songwriting table. Yeah. And um it just it just kind of works with with us three like i think we're all just really really like identify and we're just and i think like our simon has really like forced us into our brains too and even dan but just like how strong and memorable like a good melody can be like we're yep. just so identify so hard with like if you can write a good melody you can write a good song and just like how long that can stick in your head. And so I think we're always just looking for that, like that really memorable melody or chorus that you can just like hold on to forever. Like one of the first things we ever did with Simon was we got up there, we met him and he, he drove us around in his car and he, he just blasted. He like, he sat us down. He's like, I don't care what you guys think of this song. Like, I don't care what you guys think of this band, like this song like you can play it on an acoustic guitar and everybody knows the words and everybody knows the chorus. And he played Wonderwall and Don't Look Back in Anger from Oasis. And yeah. we're like singing it and just like <laughs> screaming it. And we're like, Amy's got a good point. Like, those songs like forget are, about your ex-girlfriends, forget yeah. about any weird girls. This makes you think of just listen to the melody. Yeah. And, and so like, and he's like, those songs, like they're simple songs that you can play an acoustic guitar, but you can go play them for, 40,000 people in an arena and like everyone will sing them back. And so I, yeah, I think we're just detracted to, you know, writing awesome melodies that people can, you know, sing along with and identify with and remember for a long time. 
Yeah, absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. There's, there should be, uh, I think a lot of people, especially coming from like an artistic or creative mindset would try and shy away from that. There's almost this uh, thing of the more I'm liked, the more I've sold out type of thing. And yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you just got to do whatever it is. And I would tell you in the uh, coming, bouncing off of the Oasis thing, if you guys get a chance to go tour over in Europe, especially the UK, th- my wife's uh, English, I went over there and spent a good like six months during COVID with her and her family. And if Wonderwall comes on anywhere <laughs> in that area, everything yeah. stops and yeah. like, everyone just like gets arm in arm and just starts singing. So yeah. if you throw that cover in while you guys are over there, you're going to win over the audience every time. <laughs> That's amazing. That, that, that is a good point though of bringing up like kind of like shying away from it because we like that was us for so long. Like, I, I don't, not to throw you under the bus, but like, <laughs> but I feel like when we first started writing songs, like AJ would always be the guy that would be like, I want to get weird. And we're like, that, we still need that in our band. Like, but he's like the experimental guy, like, dude, let's stick it to the man and not have a chorus kind of thing. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that. <laughs> I think what he's trying to say is that I listen to a lot of modest mouse. And I like a lot of feedback and ugly sounding noises. But, but I think that the thing that unites us all is that at the core, we all like to write. Somebody, somebody called us out. He was like, you guys write pop music, like not in a bad way, but like you guys come up with like, catchy melodies and i was like and that's i think that is the one thing that unites us mm-hmm. yeah but, uh, simon even sat us down one day and was like we can we have the ability to write big songs so let's write let's try to write big songs like let's not he literally said that let's not shy away from it like let's try to make a song that you know people sing along with in the same way they sing along with you know mr brightside or something 100 percent hundred percent. And I, you know, I think Modest Mouse does have some uh, interesting sounds coming out of it, but those songs are catchy and that's why you go back to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's nothing wrong with having that good hook. Um, okay. Last thing I want to touch on with you guys is the song Wildfire, which is the title track of the EP. Um, and I look at this as just when I listen to it, I, I hear a hopeful love song and I'm wondering what the story is behind this. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the, the idea for this song came to us by our producer and he was like, Hey, here's an idea that never got finished. Um, I think that this, I think it's just going to disappear on the earth forever. And we were hearing where it was going and we were like, Oh, we should, we should wrap this up we should finish it and we should put it on this album i think that you know mike's voice would turn out really well and i think that we could make a total it, it, the the co-producer david and i have been talking about uh, a u2 album that we really liked and he was like yeah we could do something like that with it so the story of this song you know it's it's was really just a collaboration it was just so many different people uh writing and putting it together um 
And I guess, you know, and I don't, I, it wasn't until the very end after it was recorded that you started start to think about the lyrics. And so it's, it definitely is one of those songs where, you know, the, the story of the lyrics can sort of mean, um, you know, whatever you want them to, to yourself. But the story of the song was kind of just like a, I guess it, it, as cheesy as it is, it kind of was a wildfire. It was like, you know, it started out as an idea and then it just sort of consumed the, the studio for the day and we just kind of went wild with it. Was this the one that you guys said, if we're gonna have one person, if we're gonna show one song to a person to give, let them know what our sound is, it was this one? Or did I mistake that with another song? Yeah. No, that was this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just, yeah, I think we said that because it was just like, it was the most fun song to record. Like it just had like all of our favorite things all wrapped into one. Like I loved singing this song because it's like, I think out of all of our songs, it just has like the biggest chorus that you just want to sing along with. So it was just like yeah. so much fun for me to sing. And AJ plays like, it's like, a polished song but if you listen like aj's playing this like really dirty slide guitar that mm -hmm. was like sent through um, this crazy amp and a couple weird pedals in the studio and it just came out really 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 cool and john's playing this like humongous bass line that guess, just we like we got this huge old fuzz pedal and an octave pedal and it, it was it was a black like, the fun thing about this song was like getting to hear it back in the studio with each added layer like from the very beginning, I was like, we were all just kind of in all of the song. We were just like, man, this is just really turning out like spectacular. And then every layer that got added, every track that we added, every instrument we put on the song, just like up the ante. And it was just like, man, I didn't think this could get any better. And just, yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, everything that you guys have on this, there's a couple of, um, of kind of more ballady songs on here as well that, um, I'm going to probably kind of throw mix into this episode. I thought maybe I would lay down and die. The day I heard you lay beneath the cold December sky. The word around town was that your head was hanging down. This arm around you waste and it's not my place all right top to bottom even that that's what gets me really excited about what you guys kind of have lingering about that that hasn't been released yet so i appreciate you guys sitting down with me a little bit this morning and um and I, i'm really happy to have found your music and and to have met you and can't wait for you to come through denver we'll come and check it out for sure but thank you guys yeah. Thank you. Thank you so oh, yeah. Much. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much to John, Michael, and AJ. Please check out their new EP, Wildfire, now. And as always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. Have a great day. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 